Welcome to episode 27 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined once again by co-host Dalton Willie and producer Johnny Pham. Guys, we are having a totally normal one on this uh, Wednesday, January 6th. Uh, Dalton, we will start with you. I haven't heard from you from uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, we, we didn't have a stream, obviously, last week, and uh, and then you weren't on the stream slash pod. So how, how's it been going? I know maybe you have had some uh, some good fantasy results since we last spoke. Well, I you know I, I ended up taking third and first, so that was good thanks to the honorable Josh Allen and what turned out to be some really good streaming uh, running back options. If you listen to the podcast, Evan definitely gave that advice, I, and it was always good to knock my co-host out of both of the leagues in the playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah, I couldn't be mad about. Um, the league where you got third because my team had just completely fallen apart by that point. You know, no Chris Goblin that I don't think that week, or maybe he did play but got hurt. But then no Antonio Gibson, no uh, no Christian McCaffrey, no Ronald Jones as well. I think the week after that, so I, like I had no chance in the semifinals. Even and then Goblin was out because of COVID the next week. So I I, I really was just uh, really up a creek in that league. But the league where um, Zeke. Being the last minute scratch cost me cost me the title because I think I would have won the net the next week or had a very good chance to win. Um, it's a little 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 bit of a bummer, but it is what it is. Yeah, it was definitely tough times on your end. I'm thankful for JD McKissick, Tony Pollard, and all the other streaming backs who got me to that title because <laughs> my trade for Christian McCaffrey turned out to be one of the worst trades in my career. Yeah, um, Christian McCaffrey. Michael Thomas and George Kittle on your IR, and and yet somehow, I don't know how, but somehow and Ch, you're forgetting yeah. my first round pick. Yeah, I think he did. He play against me, or was he? No, he was out that week. It was the first week of the playoffs. He got hurt, right? No, it was the finals. He was hurt for, but I had to sit him week uh, 14 because he played the Saints. Oh yeah, so. and, then he, and here I'm thinking, oh, what's he do? You know, starting. Um, McKissick, and of course, McKissick touchdown with like a minute and a half left. Um, down both by actually, including the finals, in uh, yeah. what was an inconsequential score? Yeah, that one was like a 40 yard bomb, so that was an even bigger deal. But, but yeah, fun times, fantasy football is so fun. Um, <laughs> so much fun, Johnny. How are you doing tonight, bud? Uh, just like you said, fantasy football is super fun, so I'm just uh, quiet in the shadows, literally haven't set a lineup in maybe. I don't know, three weeks, four weeks. I don't even know who's on, who was on my team at this point anymore. <laughs> they have abandoned me. I felt like I was stabbed in the back, but it's fine. We are on to next season, and uh, we'll see We'll see what happens next season. I, I thought you were going to say on the fantasy basketball. I was going to be like, well, you are currently 0-2 in fantasy basketball. So oh, my God. I don't know. I'm not talking about fantasy basketball. Anything fantasy for at least the next maybe three months. So quick, my quick team is a travesty. <laughs> so quick story time for Dalton, who is not in our fantasy basketball league, just an eight man league. Very non-serious. Uh, first time we've ever done it before um, with this group. Uh, the first week I play Bradley Coster. Um, and the way that that sleeper formatted its fantasy basketball is you have to pick one game each week to start your guy for. So like, for example, I start Luca on the wrong game every week. He'll have like 20 points when I start him. 60 when he doesn't. Brad has the same issue. The first week, we tied 310.5 to 310.5. I don't, I don't even know how it's possible to tie 
that that high of a number. I we never even had any fancy football ties this year, let alone a tie where it's three ten point five to three ten point five. Wow, that's incredible. That's a rough start to the league. <laughs> so um I am one zero and one at the moment, and Brad is zero one and one because oh. there's no tiebreaker in fantasy basketball, which is fine. I'd rather not have the tie broken and be on the losing end of it, I guess. Is that why you tweeted at Sleeper HQ? Yeah, because we legitimately had no idea um what was gonna happen the next day. And because they have literally like just rolled out this fantasy basketball, so we oh. were unsure unsure what the rules were it doesn't say in the league and and uh so yeah it's been fun times but we're here to talk about fantasy football and if you've been a listener since the beginning you know that our preseason pods we it got a little contentious we had some disagreements on on some ranks a couple of those led to some bets we even did some player props which those weren't the best a lot of the guys we chose got hurt but there were some that were relevant by the end of the year um, and then we did a couple team over unders and we went through some of the divisions and talked about um, one team per division. So we will recap all of those, um, give you a scoreboard uh, on who won and who lost. There might have to be a tiebreaker involved in in all of these categories, I'll just say. But where I wanted to start us off is, you know, one, one of the more polarizing topics before the season is you know picking your fancy MVP and picking your bust because those are like your two most important opinions heading into drafts. We're going to do the postseason version of that. Dalton, we'll start with you. Who was your fantasy MVP in your opinion this season? So I went with a. So I looked at a lot of guys here, and there were two who I really wanted to highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, uh, and I just feel like he needs to get some love on the podcast because a lot of rude things have been said about him. Is David Montgomery? Uh, uh, God, um, when we maybe talk about rankings and maybe some busts for next year, I think I'll talk about him then. Well, I, I did have this written in quotes. Uh, I believe David Montgomery is similar to Leonard Fournette two years ago uh, in that he ran the second most routes of any running back. Uh, yeah. And he, he just got the rock a lot. and He ended up finally producing towards the end of the season in what you could probably consider to be dream matchups. Uh, but when him and Mitch Trubisky were clicking all cylinders, it's like, okay, well, that's great, but I don't really know if he's going to continue that. No, but David Montgomery did in the season. Yeah, uh, it's like we, we we saw him, you know, we, and we talked about it. We we saw him on some primetime games this year where we were like, he's just flat bad. He He's just flat bad, and it wasn't just everybody was saying it. It's not just us, but you're right. You know, from week 11 to week 16, get, get rid of that week 17. From week 11 to week 16, he is the RB3 behind only Derrick Henry and behind Alvin Kamara. And that's in one fewer game. He actually averaged the, um, more points per game than either one of those guys. So he was awesome down the stretch. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, so he was one of my MVPs. My other one, uh, a little bit of a shout-out to him. Had him on both my teams really helped me out. was Josh Allen. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, we're going to escape without Josh Allen being in this segment. It's deserved, though. He had to be. I mean, two 30-point games to end the season. Uh, the last game, I was playing against Stefan Diggs, so he made it very <laughs> unfortunately close. Uh, no, but it was great to see him do really well this season. I'm just going to call it now. He's going to be overhyped next season, especially when Brian Babel goes to a new team as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Josh Allen was my lovebird this season, and he he rewarded me well. I think – he was his player prop was like 3,500 yards for the season. He ended up with over 4,500. So mm-hmm. very happy to have had him in the playoffs after a little bit of a lull midseason. Yep. 
For sure. Yeah, he, he started off so quick. Um, and we'll talk about this when we get to the Lamar versus uh, Josh Allen bet that we made. He started off quick, and then it was a little slow in the beginning and or in the middle. And that's when I maybe thought that it might not come back quite like it did. And, and he did. He, he finished every bit as good as he started the regular season. We'll see about the playoffs, of course. But I think I think my fantasy MVP, like you, I pretty much looked at two guys. And for me, it just came down to position um, as far as which guy I went with. I'll talk about both, though. My real fantasy MVP, it, it's James Robinson. It, it's the guy who was, I think, my number one regression candidate when we did the pod midway through the season and he just flat out didn't he finished the rb7 ahead of guys like josh jacobs ezekiel elliott kareem hunt nick chubb although nick chubb was in 12 games but still higher overall than nick chubb he played 15 games and the, the thing that makes him so great is you probably didn't even have to draft him like depending on when you're even if you drafted like right before the season you maybe took him in the double digit rounds but if you drafted for example, like we did, and a lot of people probably did, before Leonard Fournette was even let go, um, he probably wasn't even on a roster at that point. And if you added them, it was at kind of a weird time where you know, it wasn't during the season, so it wasn't like you probably didn't have to bid any fab on him. Or if you did, it was very little. So the value um, compared to what he gave you is just so great. He was only below 10 points. Um, twice this season, which he didn't have the big blow up games too often, but he was just so consistent between like 12 and 20 points almost every week. It's just such a valuable thing to have in your lineup. And especially when you think about a lot of the running backs that went in the top three or four rounds this year, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, Devin Singletary in some instances, who just probably killed you. Um, a lot this season it's just so valuable to have a guy like that who you could just count on to be that that solid rb1 and then if i'm taking position out of it the actual mvp if you're looking at what he did versus the rest of his peers is travis kelsey right like kelsey had 60 more points than the tight end two and 120 more points i believe than the tight end three and it you know from tight end three to like 12 it's very bunched up so he he was just so good. He lapped the field at tight end, obviously, with no no Kittle this season. That made it even more um, apparent how much better he was than the field. And especially when you think about where he went in drafts, you know, mid to late second, maybe early third, depending on your league. He goes around guys like Kenny Galladay, Chris Carson, Odell Beckham, Chris Goblin, Mike Evans, James Conner. Those guys are all hurt at various points this season. Uh, Kelsey is like the only guy in that range of like eight picks in a lot of drafts that that you that you took and you were thrilled with. So Kelsey is another guy I wanted to touch on, but I think it's James Robinson for me. Dalton, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, running back sucked this year. Uh, mm-hmm. and you look at scoring like the running back eight is outscored by, I think, the wide receiver 14. Um, and, and just an idea of how bad running back was this year. And, and it was so inconsistent. You know, guys like J.K. Dobbins, uh, DeAndre Swift, and Jonathan Taylor, who were rookies, albeit Grant started the season slow and just couldn't come around. Uh, but James Robinson was pretty much the closest to a sure start you could get uh, out of a guy that you spent zero ADP on. And you probably didn't spend a lot of fab on it if you were a little more creative than your league mates. And he's definitely a guy that I don't think was on. I, I mean, I don't, I didn't hear his name to start the season for many fantasy analysts, despite all of their COVID-19 no, roster yeah. players. 
Yeah, and I'm actually looking. I, I had it typed down wrong. He was actually the RB four. So I had I think I I keep forgetting to shift it to week uh, to week sixteen instead of seventeen when I do these because we're only doing it through week sixteen. Um, so yeah, he was the RB four, and he only played fourteen games. The only reason I hesitated a little bit on him is he missed week sixteen, which was unfortunate. But you know he he was so good when he played. Yeah, I mean you know when you're outscoring guys like. I mean, he outscored Aaron Jones, who I know missed a few games, and you he know, only you played have... one. He only played one more game than Jones, though, so it wasn't like he he played a ton more. And he outscored Josh Jacobs, Zeke. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just crazy. He was an incredibly good asset this year. I am curious to see where he goes next year in the drafts. I feel like he might be a second round pick, uh, and depending on who ends up in Jacksonville, he might be a worthwhile one. He might not. Yeah, um, we'll talk about this probably more when we get to our actual, um, you know, top twelve and maybe things like that in a couple weeks for for next year. It seems like the draft is going to be pretty deep. You can get some some good value in, in the second or third round. Whereas this year, once you got past like the mid second, you kind of quit feeling good about some of the guys that were available. But okay, LVP. Speaking of guys we did not feel good about this year, Dalton, I'll let you go first. Who is your LVP? This- I am coming in hot because this man is the wide receiver eight. Uh, he probably won you some weeks, and it's Tyler Lockett because, boy, did I not imagine Tyler Lockett having the boom or bust season he had. Um, nine games, he scored single digits. Obviously, he had two 40-point games, I believe, or one 40-point game. Uh, I, think, I think you're doing the same thing as me. In weeks one through 17, he's nine, but – one through 16, he's 13, just for the record. Okay. So weeks one through 16, he's 13. Still. Um, but still, he was a guy who, especially with the first four weeks of the year, you felt locked in on. I think him and DK were wide receiver one and two. Uh, and he had a stretch where he didn't get a double-digit game for four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're, he, you can't bench him in your lineup with the quarterbacking he has and the defense he was playing with. But at the same time, he just didn't return value the mid to the end of the season. Um, I was lucky enough that I unloaded him after the 40-point game in one of those leagues, and I'm sure a lot of owners didn't want to do that or wouldn't have, and that would have been a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. But he probably cost you more than he won you games to finish out the season. He just wasn't reliable, and he didn't provide a good ceiling most weeks. He was, uh, And I think a lot of that lies on Russell Wilson, who we might talk about on future pods, who kind of just flamed out to finish the season. But no, it goes to Tyler Lockett just because he he probably put a lot of teams in a good position and then he flamed out at the end of the season when those teams probably need to make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. That that's a pretty good one. When you said it was a uh, uh, you know a top ten, and now you know whatever top thirteen receiver, I was a little skeptical of what what that call might be. But yeah, I'm looking at his game log. So he had yeah his week seventeen was huge. So you take that out. Weeks twelve through sixteen, he did not reach eight points, or he did one time eight point three. Basically, he had in his first three weeks, probably or first, geez. So in weeks seven and weeks in week three, he had like seventy-seven points, which is like a third of his entire season, right there. So you're yep. a guy, a guy where it's so bumpy. Where yeah, the point total looks good, but did he really win you a lot of weeks? No, he, you you won the weeks that he went off, but it was a struggle otherwise. So I think that's a good call. Yeah, well, and if you told me there was a player who scored 33% of his points in two weeks and asked me which wide receiver it was, I would have told you it was Will Fuller. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and it it very well could be Will Fuller. I didn't look at him, but very possible. My LVP, <laughs> I know you're not going to be happy with it, but it is what it is. It's Miles Sanders. I mean, I got to take one more chance to, to, to ride this anti-Miles Sanders train. Um, he was a top 10 to 14 pick, depending on, depending on your league, depending on when you drafted, especially if it was before the kind of injury stuff came out on him. Um, he finished as the RB23, which is decent. He didn't, like, kill you. You could you could start him, but kind of like Lockett, he had a lot of his production in a couple of big games. He had twenty seven point six against the Saints, which he was my 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 sit of the week that week. <laughs> and I think other people because he hadn't done you know he was kind of fresh off the injury, hadn't done a whole lot since he had been back. I bet you a lot of people did not play him in that game. So if you take that game. And then you take the Steelers game, 22.9 points. He had long touchdown runs in both of those games. It just really wasn't a good season for Miles Sanders. And like Lockett, the biggest reason uh, for it is he just killed you in a lot of games. He was single digits in five of 12 games, which, you know, it's not like a crazy amount. But for a guy that you're paying a top top 14 pick for, that, that, re- that hurts. You would almost rather have a guy who is just injured so you can look elsewhere instead of just feeling like you have to roll him out there every week. And he had a stretch, and this is really the big reason why, he had a stretch, I think it's weeks 11 through 13, where he didn't top like seven points. And and those are those are big weeks. Those are like when to get in the playoff in a lot of situations. So he really came up short when you needed him most. And another guy that I considered was Kenyon Drake because it was similar draft equity. Drake was the RB14, so he finished a little higher, but he played more games, so they really weren't too far off. I think Sanders may have even averaged more points per game. But the main reason I didn't go Drake over Sanders was Drake actually had between um, weeks 11 through 14, he was du- he was double digits, like between 12 and I think he was over 12 points in all those games, like between 12 and 20 each of those four weeks. And with Drake, there's a pretty good chance he was a buy low for you. So you may have even avoided him in the early part of the season. I think Sanders was probably more harmful to your team if you had him than Kenyon Drake. Yeah, well, and I think the issue with Sanders is that there was really no good way to get away from him. Mm-hmm. There was never really a good time to trade him away and get value for him. And the the equity you spent on him in an early round just didn't ever return value. I mean, mm-hmm. you you probably didn't even start up the week he went off against the Saints. I would, I would go to gather that his start percentage was probably mid forties. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't. He he just wasn't trustworthy. I mean, talk about a team that just completely missed expectations altogether. <laughs> was the Eagles just? I mean, yeah, the, every single position. The the Eagles have a lot of issues. We'll 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 just frame it that way. Um. Yeah. Uh, I I'm with you though. He. He just really hurt you, and it's not like he was drafted around a lot of other guys that hurt you too, but that was mainly because of injury, not because of inconsistent play while on the field. Um, yeah, that man. second round was just a landmine for running yeah. backs. It, there was really no good pick you could have taken, I feel like. For the record, it's a very small sample size, but in the two leagues that we're in together, the people that had Miles Sanders finished 12 out of 12 and 11 out of 12. So just take that. Take, take, <laughs> that take is that. actually very true. And there was consideration where I could have taken him. And probably, <laughs> whew, I wouldn't be where I'm at now, I'll tell you that much. So t- take that for whatever it's worth. But okay, we can move on um, to the player bets. John, and we're going to reel you back in because you were involved in 
in some of these here. This first one, uh, Johnny, you're on the right side. James Connor. So all these bets are for a 16-game season. Just to be clear, we didn't do Week 17. Didn't account for that in, in any of these. Just like Alvin Kamara didn't do Week 17, we didn't do Week 17 either. Um, James Connor to finish as a top 16 running back or better. Dalton said yes. Johnny and I said no. And he finished as the RB25. For reference, preseason, I had him RB22. Dalton, RB16. So, Dalton, what do you have to say about um, about your main man, James Conner? I know you were pretty high on him before the season. Well, there was a period, I think, weeks through week 12. He was RB12, maybe week 11. He was RB12. He was right in there. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers... I mean, the Steelers' offense as a whole went just down the drain. Yep. Uh, but their rushing offense, they Derrick Henry, his yards after contact finished with more yards than the Steelers' entire rushing offense. Uh, it's like 1459 well, to 1300 or something like and that. And even, even before they went downhill, they would have just like, there were weird moments where like they'd be inside the five and then be like, oh, Connor's coming out for Benny Snell and Benny Snell gets the touchdown here. Like, why um so it was kind of a weird season for connor after he started off very strong like the steelers did but it was a weird a weird last half of the season for him and it's not like he you know the my main concern was the injury and he played he played a lot of games he was the rb26 in points per game so his points per game are not really any better than his actual finish yeah well and i mean really what it just came down to was i don't know i think their offensive line's pretty bad and big ben's been good about getting the ball out quickly and they just couldn't get anything going. I know there was one game where he had, I think it was 12 rushes for like, I think it was eight yards. I mean, it's just <laughs> overall, it just wasn't a good situation. And there was no PPR upside for him. Even he didn't catch any balls on the backfield. I mean, they yep. have four playmakers in that receiving core five. If you count James Washington, his PPR uh, upside is when the backup quarterbacks are playing and they're so bad that they just panic and dump it down to him every time. Cause that's kind of what happened in week 17, a little bit. He caught a couple passes. I noticed when I was watching. Yeah. I, I mean, just overall, you know, he just didn't finish where I wanted him to be. It started off good, and if you sold on that value, you were probably in a better position. Mm-hmm. He didn't look good either, though. I mean, just in all honesty, uh, he's probably not a guy I would rank highly next season either. Yeah, I don't even know, like, his contract status. And just with the Steelers as a whole, there's there's so so many unknowns as far as, like, is Big Ben back? Um, Juju, is he, is he back? What, what's he going to be worth on the open market? Um, and then, yeah, the offensive, the offensive lines, the offense as a whole. So a lot of question marks, a uh, long ways to go before that, obviously next one, this one was excruciating to follow all season. Number one, because it was a tight end bet and it was very low scoring as you could expect. Um, but number two, I lost this bet because Tyler Higby didn't stay as healthy as Evan Ingram. Of all the bets to lose because my guy was less healthy than your guy, Evan Ingram versus Tyler Higby for the whole season. I took Higby. Dalton and John take Evan Ingram. Ingram finishes as the tight end 15. Higby, tight end 17. They're basically the same points per game, but one less game for Higby did it. Uh, so I don't know if there's really a whole lot else to add on either of these guys. Neither one's very good. Neither one's a very good fantasy option next year, but it was, uh, it made me a lot more interested in following their stats this year than I otherwise would have been. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I don't have much to say here either. Uh, I mean, there was a point in the season where Evan Ingram was on, on pace to have the lowest average depth of target <laughs> of the history of any skill position player, uh, 
So, I mean, I do think he was a little underutilized. We saw flashes here and there of him. Yeah, being but, but he also just is such a dog and not in a good way sometimes. Oh. Like he had the, he, you know, against Dallas the other day, he had a, he had a big drop. He had a drop against the Eagles that we've talked about earlier in the season that basically cost the Giants, the Giants to be in the playoffs so he could catch the ball. Um, well, well but and I think him and Daniel Jones are the perfect pairing for each other because they're <laughs> so similar and they just ruin a game for you. Um, while we're on the subject of tight end, I don't know if we'll be able to get back around to this. I just want to insert this in there. Uh, if you read our waiver wire articles for the first five <laughs> weeks, Logan Thomas was in every one of those, and he finished as the tight end six. Uh, so if you picked him up, and he finished strong, I do believe his last two games, he or maybe his last three, he had like over 10 points in at least two of those. Um, so if you just read the waiver article and you believed in the process, Logan Thomas did deliver <laughs> at one point. Uh, this was probably the only chance I was going to get to talk about him, so I had to get it in there. Yep. He, uh, good lord. In week 15, he had 13 receptions. Yeah. PPR good monster. God. 13 for 101 and seven for 63 in the last two weeks of the fantasy playoffs. That, that, that'll take for a tight end for sure. For anybody, but especially tight end. So I was very happy with Logan Thomas. Uh, I was looking at the stats earlier and saw he worked his way into the top 12, and I was like, oh boy. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny. Every time he, ma- every time I see him make a good play, I, I always instantly thought of you. So you and Logan Thomas are forever synonymous in my brain. I'm sure you were thrilled when he mossed that guy in the end zone the other day. I was, and as long as you can stop associating me with Jeff Janis, maybe we'll be better off. <laughs> uh, the Paul Perkins versus Jeff Janis bet a story for another podcast. <laughs> um, Juju versus Odell Beckham Jr. This one was looking like it was going to be Odell through the first seven weeks, or at least it was going to be a very tight finish. And then Odell blows out his knee trying to tackle somebody because his quarterback at that point was still bad. Now he's actually okay, it seems like. Odell, wide receiver 78. Juju, wide receiver 18. Dalton took Juju, if you remember. Jai and I took Odell preseason i had juju wide receiver 17 dalton had him wide receiver nine so i was actually more right on juju than you were but you win this bet makes no sense um yeah this is an ugly way to win a bet but you take what you can get (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh you know the only thing i didn't see coming on in pittsburgh was chase claypool being an absolute freak uh, and again, uh, in in just a series of unfortunate events, there was a point where Juju was second in the league in average depth of target behind only Evan Ingram. Uh, so it seems like I have a type in skill position players and it's guys who catch the ball right at the line of scrimmage, which is not good for fantasy value. Uh, no, I mean, Juju just really, uh, he didn't do anything special all season. Uh, he didn't really have any big breakaway games. Uh, and on to... Odell Beckham, I question whether or not Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback with Odell on the field. I don't understand it, but Odell, or when, when Odell's gone, Baker just plays better. This was the case last year, too. Um, but for, the re- for, for the record, for the record, Odell was still, even despite the struggles with between he and Baker, was still like wide receiver 17, 16 when he blew out his knee. For the season, if you take Odell's first six games, so that means you don't include the game where he blew out his knee in the first like 45 seconds. 
you take his first six games and you take Juju's whole season, Odell actually averaged 12.6, Juju 11.3. Not saying Odell would have or would not have sustained that, but um, I think he would have still had an okay season and been right there with Juju if the injury wouldn't have happened. I do feel like I nailed this Juju call, though. I said, now I did not think Deontay Johnson would be a top 20 receiver, which I think he was, wide receiver 20, exactly. But I did say that I was concerned that he and Deontay Johnson were too far apart. I uh, And I'll be the first to say, I didn't have the courage to rank Deontay Johnson as close to him as I even should have. I had him like in the in the late 30s um, when he should have been even higher than that. But I, I had concerns that maybe we were going to see Deontay Johnson. I didn't even think Claypool. He was much more of a factor than I thought, like you said. But I had concerns. Those proved to be right. Just uh, Odell, bless his heart, tore his ACL. Yeah, well... And uh, you didn't say it yet, so I'll just give you the point on this one too. But Odell would even have had more points per game if there wasn't a blatant pass interference that didn't get called uh, in his second to last game where he was already going off. You're telling me. <laughs> had no, uh, Johnny, you you had a lot of thoughts on Juju last time you and I spoke on on this show. Curious if you want to, to weigh in on his season at all. Uh, I, I'm still putting Odell over Juju. I don't care how they finished. But Juju is exactly who me and you thought who he was. Just not a good wide receiver. He's just not who you want to be as like your wide receiver one or two. He looked terrible at the end of the season. And <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll stick by that. Well, I, I think I, that entire wide receiver core looked terrible in the season. Deontay, I mean, John, Deontay Johnson had a nice last couple games after. He the did, drop. but he also did it on like 30 drops. I mean, he, well, he didn't really have drops the last few. He just had the one, like the two game stretch where it was like, my God, this guy, does he have the gips? He finished as the wide receiver 20. He played in only 14 games, though. So Juju played in one more game, finished a couple spots higher. Um, so I think Deontay, in the games that they both played, you would say he was the one on that team this season. I know Johnny's also just, he, Johnny's cranky about the TikTok stuff when it comes to Juju. So that might play a factor. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not cranky. I'm, I'm very glad about the TikTok stuff. Cause whenever he just got absolutely murdered by the Bengals linebacker and fumbled it, that was great Twitter content just to go <laughs> through. And just all the stats that people just scavenged through was just, was just comical at that point. It, it was just really funny. <laughs> Dalton, you weren't here on on the stream when we talked about that, but I was playing in a league where I was playing against Juju and had Deontay Johnson in that game. And I, you know, what Deontay Johnson outscored him like 18 to two, like 20 to two. And I won by like four points. It it was like the funniest way to win a fantasy semifinal that I did. Oh my God. Well, and he pretty much didn't play the rest of the game after that hit, didn't he? Uh, not much. He had like he had one late catch where he had like an out route where it was like a pick play where he just like kind of walked for 15 yards. But I, I, he only, he had negative points for a while. Yeah. Well, it could, yeah, with the fumble and everything else, and depending on the league, he had zero points because I know it's yeah. Yeah, they fund daily. He had zero points. Yeah, this was a full PPR, so that helped him out a little bit more. But on to what I think was the weirdest bet that you made in in the preseason because you liked Jonathan Taylor. I think more than I even did, and definitely more than Mostert. But for whatever reason, Dalton decided to take Raheem Mostert over Jonathan Taylor. Um, Johnny and I both sided with Jonathan Taylor for season long. Uh, Taylor RB7 
Mostert RB 46. And I know Mostert was banged up. He really, he really took it to heart that Matt Breida was gone, decided that he was going to take on the Matt Breida role this year because he got hurt almost every time he played. But even if you look at points per game, it was 14.1 to 11.5. So Taylor pretty well outperformed him this season. This was just a heat of the moment on the podcast. I think I regretted it the moment I made it. I went back and listened to when I made this bet, and I could hear it in my voice that I just was I was riled up for no real reason. Uh, and this is one of the ones I didn't even put my money where my mouth is. I, I didn't own Mostert in any league I played in, but I own Taylor and everything. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, there's that's, real that's, – there, that's why I say this was the most confusing bet of the entire podcast. Absolutely. Um, my new strategy with the San Francisco 49ers is the way we've treated the Patriots for the last 20 years, uh, which is take the least expensive running back, would have been Jeff Wilson or Jack McKinnon this year, who both had startable weeks. Um, but, I mean, I'm just not even going to try to defend myself on this one. Jonathan Taylor is just good, and Raheem Mostert was in a good situation. But boy, oh boy, could he just not stay on the field. Even in games where he would play like a 60% stat percent, he was limping half the time. Yep. We await the return of Jermichael Hasty for next season. <laughs> <laughs> He's your guy, man. Unfortunate collarbone injury. Derailed, derailed a breakout star. Uh, Mark Ingram versus J.K. Dobbins. This one turned into a laugher in favor of Dalton. In favor of Dalton here, uh, Johnny takes Mark Ingram. Dalton takes J.K. Dobbins for season long. I think this was made right like the week before the season even. So before we'd even seen anything yet. Uh, Dobbins was the RB 28, which a little shocking to me. He was that low, but he missed some games and he wasn't getting enough work for a while, but I still thought he, cause it felt like he was a lot better than that. Obviously for like the last six to eight games he played Ingram was the RB 75 and was just straight up inactive, uh, down the stretch. So Dalton, I know we've given you plenty of time to gloat on the Mark Ingram bust call. So we'll, we'll kick it to Johnny, Johnny. Um, how are you feeling about the season that Mark Ingram had this year? I will never draft Mark Ingram ever again. I don't think anybody. Life. I don't think anybody. I, will. You're not alone. Uh, he is just on my. He's he's on my list. He's, <laughs> he's just on my list. And I like the first like I'd say three four weeks. I was feeling like decent about it. not great, but I think once J.K. Dobbins just kind of took over that backfield, I. I think I dropped Ingram after like week eight or nine just because he was having like one, two carry touch games. And I'm like, okay, this is enough. I, I just didn't want him on my roster anymore. He he definitely would have been a candidate for LVP, except I tried to go for guys who were like top two, two round, um, coming a little hotter with those takes. But he definitely, um, even even though he was like a more like a fifth or sixth round guy, probably like, I guess, fifth round. Fifth round was where I saw him a lot. He He definitely really hurt people who took him for sure. I'm yeah, mad at him. I mean, that's probably that and Josh Allen were probably the best calls I made in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I mean, the 30 year mark for a running back just hurts, and there's not much you can really say on it. Uh, I mean, Gus the bus getting more carries than him was something I probably wouldn't have told you would have happened in the preseason, yeah. though. I, I still wouldn't have expected him to finish this low. Yeah, we, I think I would have at least expected him to be the the 1B to the 1A instead yeah. of Gus Edwards. Uh, so a little weird that I'll be curious if he is even in the NFL next year with the way this all kind of ended. Uh, yeah, how, how, Frank Gore. How, yeah, Frank Gore apparently still wants to come back after like, what, he puncture a lung or like have a collapsed lung or yeah. something. 
some kind of it was like a no it was like a lung contusion i didn't know you could get a lung contusion i think i learned that when when frank gore got it oh at the age of 36 yeah 30, just yeah. 37 he still wants to come back uh Power to him, man. Adam Gase couldn't even ruin the love for uh, the love for the game for Frank Gore. So I don't know what can at this point. Uh, you mentioned Josh Allen. One more chance for you to glow, and then it's going to get a little ugly. Uh, I guess two more because you got Will Fuller too. But it gets uglier for you um, from here on. So this is these are your last two chances. Uh, Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson from week three on. Uh, Josh Allen was the QB three. Lamar was the QB ten. I think you know which side um, Dalton and I took on this bet. This was one that Johnny uh, sat out on, so no, no side for Johnny. Probably smart. Um, like, like I said earlier, Allen dropped off a bit, and Dalton said this too. Dropped off a bit midway through the season after that hot start, and then he was just awesome down the stretch. And Lamar, you know, he struggled a little bit at at various points. We had some Lamar conversations, but he he finishes QB ten. But for the record, in the playoffs, um, these guys were the top two quarterbacks weeks 14 through 16 so after the COVID issues for the ravens and they were a little healthier down the stretch and they established their identity with dobbins kind of as the lead guy in the backfield was when when jackson really took off but it just was not early enough for him to catch up to josh allen for for my sake yeah i mean i'm not going to talk about josh allen anymore because we already talked about him enough um but really i think this comes down to uh I just don't know about. I think next year Lamar Jackson's going to be undervalued and Josh Allen's going to be overvalued. Um, I'm probably going to end up writing for this for our newsletter, but I think we're kind of coming to a closer end to being able to stream quarterbacks. Uh, and I think this year was a good example where if you were trying to stream, you you probably had some issues down the road. Um, I mean, Kirk Cousins finished as quarterback eleven. But there's a 122-point disparity between him and the top four. And if you had one of the top four guys, I mean, they were just winning you weeks like quarterbacks normally don't. And I think part of that is due to the increased mobility with a lot of the quarterback uh, quarterbacking you see in the NFL. I mean, 10 guys surpassed 300, um, Justin Herbert being the last. And then after that, mm -hmm. it just gets kind of ugly. I mean, Kirk Cousins at 11, Roethlisberger at 12, Ryan at 13. You don't really want to start any of those guys in any week uh, reliably at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, the the streaming thing is interesting. I think more where I'm at with quarterback is I feel pretty good about taking those guys in the mid rounds. Who for whatever like for whatever you know every year we do this, we're like, okay, we decide Lamar Jackson is three rounds better than Deshaun Watson, than Kyler Murray, than Dak before that you know those guys like that like that's kind of the tier quarterback that i've i've found myself targeting more often than not these last few years but you know what still late in drafts you can find those guys i mean you know herbert undrafted uh josh allen very late in drafts so those guys are still out there but i it, it is it is getting tougher because those top guys the rushing is such a game changer for some of them you're right yeah, and I think if I was giving people advice in a fantasy draft, it would be avoid the mid-round tight ends and get the mid-round quarterbacks. Uh, preferably, I think a mid-round quarterback option may, might this coming year might be Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned tight end because I was going to bring this up earlier. Completely forgot, looked over, saw in my notes. You know, um, Gronk, who you didn't have ranked at all this preseason, finished as the tight end eight, Just and I am as tight end 10. Just wanted to throw that out there. Do it. Do with that what you will. 
Dad, Whoa. Dad, dad run Gronk. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Um, you know, there's nothing I can say to defend it. Uh, I'm still just team anti Gronk. Um, <laughs> it was just such an ugly, you know, 120 20 points that he had this season. Uh, but the tight end position was just so ugly. I, I guess mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yep. Um, couldn't have predicted all the injuries that they went through or that uh, t- Gronk would still be running deep routes, but it seems that Bruce Arians is just stuck on letting guys run deep routes even if they run like a, a guy who just mowed his lawn. Okay, we've got a couple more to get to here for just the straight-up player bets. We'll go through these a little quicker. Um, Will Fuller, at one point during the season, we bet. I, I said that Will Fuller would not get at least six points in six straight games. Dalton said he would. And he did, and then I believe the very next game was his last before he got suspended for the PEDs. So I feel a little bit cheated out of this one, I have to say, but I'll give it to Will Fuller and to you, Dalton. You guys, you the, the two of you combined to win this bet. Another one that I believe Johnny sat out on. Um, well, I was going to say this too. We didn't end up betting it, but we had a brief conversation about betting if he would finish top 24 or not. Mm-hmm. Will Fuller finished 25th by 0.3 points in wide receiver <laughs> points, uh, which is just crazy. And I do, I was, Will Fuller was another guy I was a huge on. And if he hadn't gotten suspended with the amount of points Brandon Cooks ended up scoring to end the season, Will Fuller was looked to be a shoe in for top 12. Uh, so I'm pretty bummed about the PED scandal and all that. Yeah, let's see. He averaged 14.8 points per game. Adam Thielen, who's the wide receiver, eight, averaged 15 points a game in 14 games. So yeah, he probably would have been top 10 if he would have. Uh, I mean, who knows about injuries or anything like that, obviously. Yeah. But if uh, if we can just assume a whole season or a, a last four or five games for him, yeah, he could have easily been top 10. You were right on Will Fuller. Good call for this year. We will see about kind, future Kind years. of right. Your, your concern was still valid, even though it wasn't an injury. That brought him down. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Okay. In week four, we had a Mark Ingram argument. We've talked about him a lot. Don't have to belabor this one. I said he'd be a top 24 back that week. Dalton did not think so. He was the RB22. Thank you for the one-yard touchdown, Mark Ingram. I think that was the difference maker in that one. From week five on, DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, which if you remember, it was pretty heavily Robbie Anderson early in the season. Um, Things weren't looking too great for DJ Moore. I don't have their splits from early in the season, but from week five on, it was DJ Moore, wide receiver 17, Robbie Anderson, wide receiver 34. So I was on the correct end of that one. Dalton was not, not a ton else to say on those guys on my end, Dalton, unless you have anything to add. Um, on that, I guess the only thing I would say is that Teddy Bridgewater stinks. Please get a different quarterback because you have a lot of really great weapons in that offense. Um, um, Carolina just just need a quarterback get them all the ball. I was gonna say I think what happened here because uh, I went and looked at it and there's like two games that put more in the top twenty. Uh, yeah, and I it, that passing offense just went downhill so quickly. The, I think the moment NFL. Defensive coordinators had tape on Teddy Bridgewater. He was not as valuable as he was earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, I don't want to belabor that. I think Jameis Winston in Carolina could be really interesting. Fingers crossed we get Jameis Winston back uh, because between you, me, and our listeners, 
There is a <laughs> four-year-long bet now that ends year four where I bet Evan $50. Jameis Winston would win MVP. Uh, and one of those years, he's been riding a bench in New Orleans. So we're on our last year. Hopefully, he does not ride a bench next season. You know what? I hope he gets a shot somewhere just to make it exciting. He's not going MVP regardless. I just want I want your hopes to get just, just up just a little bit, just a little bit of excitement just to watch watch him flame out. Um, it's too bad he didn't get the shot over Taysom Hill to see what he could have done in that New Orleans. That still me. <laughs> uh, our last bet did not end up happening because Kenny Galladay never came back. We bet, or I bet that he would be top 12 if he played the last three weeks. Dalton bet that he would not. He did not play, so that bet was null. Uh, the final score of that category, I had five. I didn't do the Dobbins and Ingram bet. Dalton had five. He did all the bets. And then Johnny had three and for some reason did like half of these. So I'm not sure what the issue was there, but we'll discuss tiebreaker at the end. I don't know if we just want to do like a tiebreaker for each category. Um, how? Because we all did different amounts of these. Maybe we could just do that. I don't know. We'll figure it out at the end. But that one was five, five, three with Johnny being the three. Now for the player props, which... Like I said, these got a little bit hairy because a lot of these guys ended up not playing the whole season. And I think a lot of them would have been hits and they ended up being misses. But we'll start with a good one for me, at least. Alvin Kamara over under 905 and a half rushing yards. I said over. Dalton Johnny said under. He finishes with 932. So he hit the over. And obviously his week six, just comical. Or week 16, just comical. 155 rushing yards obviously six touchdowns as well in that week. That was his only game of the season with over 100 rushing yards. One week after I played him in DraftKings, I was one week off really striking gold there. Uh, yeah, I mean, this one uh, this one hurt a little bit because I I don't know. I There was a point in the season where he was having a horrible season because of Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill mm-hmm. was really taken away from his workload. And he just turned it on. I mean, that week 16 really did put him over the over the top. He probably wouldn't have hit it without it. It was pretty close, though, so it was a pretty good prop in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunate and fortunate at the same time. He's obviously a generational talent uh, and great to watch play, but thought he was going to just be consistent. I think what was, his receptions were the same for three straight seasons. I know they weren't this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look up. Uh, it was 81 receptions for each of his first – three seasons in the NFL, which is just just hilarious, actually, that a guy could have that many receptions and the exact same amount of receptions for, for three years in a row. Let's see, this year, Alvin Kamara. Oh, he was 83. He was so close to 81. Oh, we were so <laughs> he was close so close to four, to four straight years. Five receiving touchdowns. God, he ended up with so many touchdowns thanks to that uh, six-touchdown game. 21 total touchdowns for Kamara this year. Wow, uh, that might be more than some quarterbacks. Well, that was the RB1 uh, for Kamara after he was pretty, I, I would say probably like in the RB like five to seven category before that last week. That shows what a whatever 50 something point performance will do for you. And look at in you, the Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, Tyreek Hill. Um, Hollywood Brown, this one's a sad one. Over under 849 and a half receiving yard. We all said over, we all felt good about it. He was under with 769. But I wanted to talk about a little bit 
his his end to the season. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing this because I've already seen it. I've looked at it. I've watched it. He ended the season strongly, and I'm not doing it again. I'm not going to get hurt. He had touchdowns in five of his last six games, and he had one game with two touchdowns. So I think he was six touchdowns in his last six games. That puts him at the wide receiver 11 in that stretch. But But he only topped 60 yards receiving two times. I don't think he ever got over a hundred, which you know is a lot. But for a guy with that big playability, you would think he'd have some more high yardage games in in that stretch where he was playing better, where the connection was working better between he and Lamar. But before that stretch, weeks six through ten, he's the wide receiver eighty three. Weeks seven through ten, it would have been even worse because total in those three weeks, he was six receptions for fifty five yards in in those games total just abysmal i feel like you're off of him next year i'm gonna have a tough time not being excited about him next year again ready to get hurt again um with hollywood brown i can't do it um but i did have a question i put down here uh what would stefan Diggs look like with the ravens instead of the bills what would he look like well he'd have purple instead of uh instead of white I just wonder, would he make Lamar Jackson as good of a passer as he made Josh Allen? I mean, it's not the whole story to the Josh Allen improvement this year, but he's certainly a big part of it. I mean, 1,400 yards really does help a passer. Uh, I don't think Lamar is ever going to have a 1,400-yard receiver in his career, and that's not necessarily a ding on Lamar. It is a little bit maybe, but it's more the style of offense you want to run with Lamar you want him to be running the ball, running the read option. You want the run to set up the pass. Whereas like Josh Allen's a good runner, but you he's not even close to the same class as Lamar. So just different players. So yeah, I think it's fair to say that Diggs would not probably ever do this with Lamar, but I think it's mostly just because Lamar is just a different type of quarterback. My question, would you rather have Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen as your team's quarterback? I'd still take Lamar, but it's closer than I would have ever said um, before the season. I'll be curious to see. I've 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 already sent Johnny a couple messages about this. I have a sneaky feeling about Colts money line this weekend. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to bet it, but what I am saying is I'm very curious how Josh Allen looks in the playoffs this year. Uh, I'm betting against the Ravens. That's a gimme. <laughs> really? You think so? I, against the I, Titans, it's Baltimore. I mean, that I once Lamar wins the playoff game, I'll believe it. But until then, I'm going to eat. I will say they are road favorites, which road doesn't really mean anything. But they're like three and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, that Titans defense is just really bad. But also, it's mainly their secondary, which again, that's not really what you think of when you think of Ravens uh, attacking the secondary. It'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be curious to see what both those guys look like in the playoffs. Um, I just remember I have visions of Ceh doing whatever he wanted to against Buffalo, and I have visions of Jonathan Taylor doing a lot of what he wants to do against Buffalo. I will say, I think their defense as a whole has improved um, and since we're on the topic. And Matt Milano, I think him being back in that lineup, it kind of changes the defense. I'm a pseudo Buffalo Bills fan <laughs> of Kansas City. I follow way too much of that team. I uh, I just have a real tough time putting any actual um, money on Philip Rivers. That's what it comes down to for me. So I'll probably stay away. But it's just something I, I I've looked at a couple times this week. But okay, uh, next guy here, Kenny Galladay. 
over under 69 and a half receptions. We all said over. It was clearly under. He only played five games. He had 20 receptions. So on pace for 64, but such a small sample. Hard to really take anything from that. That one's probably a wash, but we we all technically lost that one. We said over. Uh, Chris uh, Marvin Godwin. Jones had 76 catches, so it was it was a win. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got Marvin Jones prep, uh, prop coming up. We'll just get to it right now, actually. Marvin Jones over under 805 and a half receiving yards. Dalton, you said over. John and I said under, and he blew it out of the water with 978. I think if Kenny Galladay plays more, it's probably a lot closer, if not under, but that's not what happened. Marvin Jones, very good season. Another very Marvin Jonesy type of season where it was a lot of pretty bad games and like two very big games when he have three touchdowns in week 16 or week 15, one of those playoff weeks. So, yeah, more of the same from Marvin Jones, just a little bit of higher volume with uh, with no Kenny G. Yeah, well, and this one hurts because I was big on Lions. I thought Matt Stafford was a guy who was going <laughs> to have a good year. He didn't. Lions didn't really have a great year. Uh, they were pretty up and down. I will say this. Marvin Jones is a free agent. Uh, sneaky team, I think, that it could be cool for him to sign with. We'll see. Uh, is Kansas City. I think he would fit really well in Kansas City. He's a veteran. Uh, well, the, the Chiefs will probably need to bring in another receiver. That whole, I mean, it's not just Marvin Jones. You know, Kenny Galladay's a free agent. And then Stafford, not a free agent, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was on another team. If he went to year. Carolina, that would actually be exciting. I know we were talking about that earlier. Literally anybody going to Carolina that is a yeah. decent quarterback with me because they have legitimately four guys I want to start because, you know, Curtis Samuel came on, Robbie Anderson, good player. DJ Moore, and then obviously, um, assuming he plays more than three games, Christian McCaffrey um, should be a good player again next season. Chris Goblin, over under eight and a half receiving touchdowns. We all said under. This was looking like a cakewalk, but he finished with seven. He got kind of close. He had four touchdowns in the last three weeks. Perhaps if he stays healthier, he only played 12 games, left a couple of them early. Uh, he, he maybe actually hits that number, and we all felt pretty good about the under, but a weird season for Chris Goblin overall. Week 16 was his first game over 100 yards, which even though I didn't love him preseason, I don't think I would have guessed that his receptions and yards would have been that low. I just felt his touchdowns were going to be lower. So weird season for him. Obviously, Antonio Brown coming in changed the mix a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay is just another frustrating team. Um, that's just not doing what you want as a fantasy owner and not doing what you want as a real-life football uh, watcher uh, i mean everybody struggled and had their ups and downs including tom brady on that team uh and then you, you have the frustrating running back crew with ronald jones being the craziest uh rb9 that you've seen and uh, it's that's just a frustrating mm -hmm. team and including chris godwin i hope he goes somewhere else in free agency uh that would utilize him better yeah, we'll see if they tag him. We talked about that a lot, I know, a couple weeks ago. But also, they've got other guys that maybe they could uh, could stand to use that tag on. I'm sorry, I have to laugh. I'm looking over at my, at my phone for the first time. I'm seeing Johnny lament not starting Bradley Beal on a night where he has 55 points and it's still the third quarter. Tough fantasy night for, for Johnny in the basketball world. He it's also now has, uh, I think he's at 60. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and it's a close game. So... Uh, we will see how the game goes, but right now Bradley Beal has 80 points. Johnny's on to fantasy baseball. <laughs> I don't after the last three teams I've managed or mismanaged, I don't think I'm like <laughs> contemplating just fantasy in general right now. <laughs> Better fantasy owner, Johnny Fam or Adam Gase. 
I'll still give it to Johnny. That that that'd be that'd be pretty low blow putting putting Adam Gase. You have Johnny. an asterisk. You're an asterisk to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Adam Thielen over under 84 and a half receptions was the number. We all said over. We all felt pretty good about that. He had done that a lot in his career. He had blown by that number quite frequently, but he played 15 games, so only missed a game and was at 74. So he most likely would not have gotten it had he played the one game he missed for COVID reasons. Uh, Dalton, I guess the question I have for you is, do you feel like Justin Jefferson was an issue for this more than Diggs? Because I went back and looked at the numbers and Diggs had some pretty big years at the, in the same years as Thielen too. Not that Thielen have a big year, but Thielen was under 1,000 yards. He had 14 touchdowns, which is what really has sustained him this season like Diggs had a year with 102 catches and like 1300 yards and Thielen still had like 1300 yards so I'm wondering if maybe Thielen is kind of on the verge of losing a step he's older than people realize because he burst on the scene late um I really think first of all I just want to say if you go back and listen to the podcast where we talk about this I go on a rant about the Viking wide receiver crew uh and say some disparaging things about uh, our Lord and Savior rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson, fourteen hundred uh, yards this season. Yeah, well, I said exactly. That, I said I said he wouldn't come on, and he's going to get started. BC Johnson's going to start over him. <laughs> uh, so those were wrong, uh, very wrong. Um, but I I think the real issue is the 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 style of routes that Jefferson plays seem to play well to Cousins, and I don't think Thielen's lost a step. I think they just relied on the run more than any other year they have. I looked it up, and they're they're 26th in pass attempts this year, uh, and that's the lowest mark of the Vikings I could find over the last two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I think it was pass attempts. There just wasn't the volume there, even though their defense was bad. Uh, They're losing Gary Kubiak. He's retiring. If they get a little more pass happy, we'll see with Zimmer. Uh, There might be a shot. I do do feel a little bad for Kirk Cousins because he might be a a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he finished 12th in fantasy points, but he just doesn't have a, a play caller who's giving him the full range of passing options and just really relying on Dalvin Cook. Yeah, but Kirk Cousins is also very Kirk Cousins at times. And you know what I mean when I say that. He makes some very terrible decisions, and he will have games where you question why he's in the NFL. And then other games where basically if he has a clean pocket, he's fine. He's like Jared Goff. He's basically Jared Goff. Maybe a little bit of a better version of Jared Goff, where if you get him a clean pocket, the play designs are working well. He can he can make the plays, but he's not going to make it happen for you. Yeah, and that's probably a fair assessment. Um, he he need he needs a little help to get there, and he has it luckily in two good receiving options. And I also think Irv Smith is a sneaky good play going forward if he gets full duties. Yeah, um, Irv had a massive game in Week 16. Should have had a touchdown in Week 15 that went right off his face mask. Um, that was a fun time. Uh, you mentioned Dalvin Cook. I, I wrote that down as well. He did have a career high in rushing yards by like more than 400 yards, so not an insignificant amount in 14 games, almost 2,000 scrimmage yards, which he would have definitely hit had it not been for, I believe it was the death of his father. It, it was some kind of death in the family that he missed the last game for, um, but he, he would have topped 2,000 yards had he played. I don't know. I'm going to be monitoring Thielen's um, ADP for next season. He's a guy that I don't think I'd be too thrilled to take because he's getting to that point where you feel like it could drop off at any moment. Low yards, high touchdowns, 
you don't that just doesn't feel good heading into next season where the other kid who's a rookie just had 1400 yards and should theoretically keep getting better yeah well and going forward i probably don't feel comfortable taking him higher than the fifth round um I, he probably goes higher i mean he's a wide receiver eight so he's probably mm-hmm. an early third late second round pick at this point mm-hmm. but no i think justin jefferson's definitely the guy to own there yep and then travis kelsey uh over under was seven and a half touchdowns for him he blew past this had 11 touchdowns dalton took the under because he hated the chiefs in the preseason i do remember this uh, johnny and i johnny and i took the over yeah you you, you hate see you love ceh you really picked the right chief to to latch on to um johnny and i took the over 11 and 15 games he's just flat out awesome uh he set the record for receiving yards for a tight end he set the record for most consecutive thousand yard seasons at tight end he's second in the nfl at receiving yards at just over 1400 about 120 behind stefan diggs diggs did play all 16 games so they were pretty much neck and neck before that week 16 um and obviously Diggs had a massive uh or week week 17 and then Diggs had a massive week 16 as well like i said earlier finished the tight end one by basically 60 points ahead of waller 120 ahead of third dalton not a lot else to to add on kelsey he he was just awesome this year yeah i mean he should he should have the receiving title if the chiefs played week 17 he would uh and as a chiefs fan i'm a little hurt that he doesn't but <laughs> it, it happens i mean He's going to be 32 next season, I think. And he got he. There's just no signs. It can happen quick. So I I don't want to say it's not going to happen or it couldn't happen soon. But there's just no signs of that of the drop off yet. No, not at all. And more importantly, I mean, he's just so smart too. He's always open, always, Mm -hmm. literally every play. So yeah, I I mean, he's a he might be a late into the first round pick, and I would probably do it. He's worth it. Yep, his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, um, over, under for passing yards for him was set at 4,669 and a half. We all said the over, and we were all right. I don't have the total written down here. I know I have it in the spreadsheet, but he hit it uh, fairly comfortably. I still, he had 4,740, so he was over by like, you know, 80 yards and didn't even play week 16. So, yep. He would have been the NFL passing leader ahead of Deshaun Watson had he played all 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I Colin Cowherd said that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't want to talk about it, but Patrick well, clearly is. There's a there's a lot of people who are moving the Chiefs down their power rankings at this point. That's a conversation for another podcast. Maybe <laughs> maybe um, later in the playoffs, depending on what happens with that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey over under 12, 20 and a half rushing yards. We all said under. We nailed that one, guys. We we really called that one. He only played three games. He rushed for 225. So very small sample. You can't – this isn't even a real number. But just for the heck of it, his 16-game pace was at like exactly 1,200 yards. So he probably would have come pretty close to that number, I'd imagine, if he stayed healthy. He didn't. So he did not come close to that number. It is what it is. We've lamented McCaffrey's season plenty, I think, this season. He's awesome when he plays. And hopefully he is healthier next season. And on to another guy who we really wish would have been healthy for more of this season. Michael Thomas, his over-under for receiving yards was set at 1,401.5. We all set over. He was way under 438. And the thing with him is his 16-game pace was not even close. He played seven games, so his 16-game pace would have still been like under 1,000. So... 
you know, the Taysom Hill thing hurt him a lot. He was banged up, and then he missed the end of the season, obviously, when Breeze came back. Rough season for Michael Thomas. Dalton, anything to add on that front? I have legitimate concern going into next year about Michael Thomas uh, for multiple reasons, play calling, quarterbacking, and I think uh, talking to a Saints fan, who uh, Eli, who was on our pod the very beginning of this, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a lot of talk among like beat reporters in New Orleans that he's a locker room problem. I mean, there was he well, got suspended there, there, for the game for Gardner Johnson, and there were the rumors that they were maybe looking to trade him, and then obviously nothing happened. But that was out there at least a little bit. Yeah. So going forward, I mean, I do have some concern going to Michael Thomas. We'll obviously talk about more about that going into the season. Uh, he's still a freak athlete, but I have my concerns going forward. Yeah, who the quarterback is is going to be the number one issue when it comes to Michael Thomas, whether it's Breeze, Taysom Hill, or you know, quarterback not yet on roster, or maybe even Jameis. Um, all of those would probably breed very different rankings for for Michael Thomas. Um, if it's Taysom Hill, yikes. If it's Breeze or Winston, he's probably at least top 10, if not higher, because he did just come off like one of the best seasons for a receiver ever uh, the, the year before how quickly we forget sometimes. So we will see what happens um, with the Saints and with Michael Thomas. Last one of these, another depressing one, George Kittle over under was set at 1,075 and a half receiving yards. We all said over, it was under, but his 16 game pace, which he played exactly half the season. So a little easier to extrapolate this and actually make it mean something than like McCaffrey was, you know, over 1,200 yards. So had he stayed healthy, even with their quarterback issues and just offense issues as a whole, he probably would have shattered that number, which we all felt good about. Like we all we all said that was a no brainer. He's a yards guy, not a touchdown guy in his career. So I think injury is just really what got us here. Yeah, well, uh, and talk about three guys I had on my team that I ended up winning a championship <laughs> with. That's kind of crazy to look at. Um, yeah. Gives you a little idea. <laughs> Evan does not look pleased about that. <laughs> uh, uh, gives you a bit of idea, that, especially when you get into the playoffs. There's a bit of a uh, a little bit of luck that comes into fantasy football, and you can't always prognosticate everything that comes into it. Indeed, indeed. Uh, <laughs> okay, that category ended uh, five to five between Johnny and I, and then four for Dalton. So again, we will get to the tiebreaker. Um, now it gets ugly for Dalton. It gets very ugly for Dalton. Um, you can go to Dalton for other advice, but don't ask him for any team over unders. We'll breeze through these pretty quickly. We're running, I think, a little over an hour at this point. An hour, hour seven looks like. Um, Seahawks over under was nine and a half wins this season. Dalton under Evan and Johnny said over, and I think they are at like eleven or twelve wins. They hit that over pretty easily, even though they. It was not easy for them down the stretch, but they they nailed that over. Uh, Dalton watched out the Seahawks so hard before the season. I still doubt them. I <laughs> I don't even care. Weakest playoff team I've seen in years, <laughs> other than the Washington. I was gonna say team. other than a team in their own conference at the moment. Um, um, no, I mean the things I said. Their defense was weak. Uh, they, I mean, I, th- I I think if I recall it rightly, I question whether or not they would let Russ cook or if they would still run the ball. Well, uh, for their defense, trading for Dunlap helped them a lot, I think. Um, yeah, Dunlap helped uh, Jamal Adams being the highest ever sacking DB in the NFL in like mm-hmm. 12 games helped. Um, but outside of that, their defense was pretty suspect. They let Russ cook for the first half. It kind of kept in a lot of games. And then they got a lot close towards the end of the season when they went back to that run-heavy offense. Uh, we'll see how they end up, but I'm still not a big believer. They're, I mean – 
they got the record. I can't talk a lot about it, but I, I feel like it's a shaky 11, 12 win team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Falcons, they're over under with seven and a half. That was the easiest under of any of these. They were only at four wins this season. Uh, John and I said over Dalton under Johnny. Why did Dalton have the audacity to believe in the Atlanta Falcons? I just think he doesn't believe in curses because true. it is a very true thing that just the Falcons are just a cursed organization. And hopefully Eric Bieniemy doesn't go there, but they are cursed at the moment. It's a good thing for the Chargers that they, because I literally, I literally, I think said to you, oh, I think they're gonna do the the Dan Quinn thing where they bring Anthony Lynn back for like five games and fire him when it goes terribly, and they didn't do that. That's what happened in Atlanta. Bring Dan Quinn back, and yeah, um, it just seems like the Dan Quinn thing never got right after the twenty-eight to three Super Bowl blown lead, and that is, I will say, a hard pill to swallow. So yeah, tough times in Atlanta. High draft pick. Matt Ryan's still there. Very curious what they do this offseason if uh, Matt Ryan is their quarterback next year or if they at least draft his heir apparent. I'm just saying this is closer than it looked. The, the, the Falcons led at half of four <laughs> games by a touchdown or more. Uh, and I said this when we bet it. I know I did. Is that I can't not bet the, the Falcons and the Falcons always cost me. Uh, and they did again. I just don't. I don't know what to do with them. I really don't. The Falcons blowing a lead. Who could have ever seen that one coming, right? Uh, Cowboys, one of the teams they blew a lead to their over under was nine and a half. I tell you what, this one feels pretty good. Both of you guys take Cowboys over nine and a half. I said under, and even if Dak did not get hurt, they were looking like an under before no. that. Play no, 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 NFC East. They, no, there's no way. How Absolutely many points were not. the the Falcons were four and 12? How many points were they losing to them by? Before they recover a miracle onside kick. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. No, they should they should have won at least like 10, 11 games. All year he would have whooped on the NFC East the way that league was. And the Cowboys defense figured it out after Dak got injured. And a guy with the last name Danucci started a game for the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense week 15, they beat the Niners 41 to 33. I would not call that figuring it out. On the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Andy Dalton put up 41 points on the Niners. Think about how many points Dak Prescott would have put up. Yeah, but they still won that game. 70? 100? Uh, let's go back to before. So they lose to the Rams, barely beat the Falcons, lose to the Seahawks, lose to the Browns, and then barely beat the Giants. So they were, let's see, two, three. No, just two. They only had two wins when Dak got hurt. It's not. It's not. It's not like they were like three and one. Like you know, four and one off some great start. Hey, two wins actually pretty good because <laughs> right after he got hurt, they played the Washington Football Team, the Eagles, and win, the Pittsburgh, by at Minnesota, win Washington Football Team, win. Cincinnati without Joe win. Burrow. And but also, already, like Zeke, but also like Zeke would have been way more productive than what he was right after Dak got hurt because I don't think he crossed double digit points for like five weeks. So I'm just saying, your okay, glow well, of the Cowboys is in is invalid because of Dak being hurt. Please bet the Cowboys over again next season, even though their defense will. is still going to be terrible. No, I, I'll bet the over. I don't care what it said. At, I will bet at the over just to spite you. Okay. I will take the under almost no matter what. You know why they're okay. there. You know why their number was. I think I even remember saying this. I have no idea why 
them and the Seahawks have the same number. But the reason why they do is because everybody knows that all these idiots are going to bet the Cowboys over because there's a lot of Cowboys fans. That That's why that number is always inflated. Jack's better than Russell Wilson. I'll mug it off. Okay, Evan actually made a really good point. That's like <laughs> Las Vegas bet makers. That, that's five head by Vegas. I'm, I'm actually not mad anymore. Thank well, you. you want to talk about Vegas really just showing people up here is the next one. Dolphins over under six and a half. We all said under. Uh, we were very wrong. Dolphins go 10 and six. Uh, heartbreaking uh, end of the season for them. Missed the playoffs. Absolutely pooped themselves against the Bills in the last game. But still a good season for the Dolphins. Uh, weird season. Uh, benching and unbenching and benching and unbenching their quarterbacks like every uh Every two weeks there for a while, but the defense is just freaking awesome. Xavier Howard is maybe the defensive player of the year. Um, I think he had like 10 interceptions this season. Just unbelievable. The pick he had on Mahomes, I think the one-hander in the back of the end zone. He he's awesome. Their defense is awesome. Floor is a great coach. I look forward to them next season. They blew their expectations out of the water this year. Yeah, I think they might have won more games if they had started Ryan Fitzpatrick the whole season, but who knows? Uh he played pretty lights out. Tua played pretty mediocre. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the fourth or sixth round pick, sixth pick, I think, in the draft. So they could take another quarterback hypothetically. Uh, but no. Yeah, they've, they, they've come out pretty strong in support of Tua. We'll see what happens at draft time, though. Yeah, they seem like a smart organization, though. So if one of those guys falls, I can see them taking them. Yeah. Uh, Bengals over under five and a half. Uh, Dalton took the over. I took the under. And Johnny. Took the under. They finished four, eleven, and one. The tie helped us, but it wasn't just the tie. They were just flat terrible. Obviously, they had injuries. Johnny and I know better than anybody else that Joe Mixon. We thought he was going to come back for probably two months, and they just never did. So that was unfortunate. But they were under. They were bad. Burrow was very good. He, of course, inevitably got killed because his offensive line was not good. That is pretty much the story of their season. Yep, shout out to Giovanni Bernard, helped him be a fantasy championship. Don't shout out to the Bengals because if Joe Burrow had played all the games, maybe they got it. Also, not shout out to the Eagles for just wanting to tie the game. If anybody remembers that game, the Eagles just gave up and said, we'll tie. Yep, I do remember that. Um, you know what? It maybe wasn't the worst strategy. Uh, it also turns out wasn't the only time the Eagles just quit trying late, late in a game this season. So it is what it is. Nate Sudfield deserved to start over Jalen Hurts. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> all right, Colts, their over-under was nine. We all said over. It looked pretty dicey early in the season, but Phil Rivers got together. They finished with 11 wins. Pretty easy over for them. Jonathan Taylor, rough, or decent start, very rough middle, great finish. Over 1,100 rushing yards. It might be like the, right behind Jefferson for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He, he's going to be in that conversation, I, I would say, but... But yeah, Colts pretty easy over. Um, like I said earlier, intrigued by their playoff matchup with Buffalo. Yep, I think Buffalo trounces them, but we can talk about that later. Uh, I don't really want to talk about team betting right now because this isn't a good time. Don't have a lot of authority at this moment. <laughs> okay, this is the one that I missed. And you know what? Screw you, Drew Locke. Screw you, Cortland Sutton. Actually, screw Cortland Sutton's ACL for blowing out about 30 seconds into his was second a, game. And then his collar? Well, I thought it was his collarbone. No, it was collarbone first, and then he came back, oh. and then he blew out his knee. So rough time for Cortland Sutton. 
Uh, anybody else I'm missing on that team? Probably. Well, Melvin Gordon just kind of stinks. Uh, you know, just just a lot of issues. They're over under with very duty for being open all the time. You just don't and, get the pass. And well, and also just not being very good. Um, Broncos over under seven and a half. You guys were smarter than me, took the under. I said over, and I think they finished five and eleven. Pretty easy under. Drew Lock stinks. The Broncos stink. John Elway rightly gives up control of uh of drafting and signing players as the general manager, as he should, after some of the guys he's brought in. They are in an interesting spot as a franchise where they went all in on bringing in weapons to put around Drew Locke. And now it's very unclear if Drew Locke is the quarterback of the future there. I would say no. They're also in a spot where they may have to give him another year based on where they are in the draft. Um, We will see. Tough times in Bronco country. Yeah, that team's absolutely tragic, and Drew Locke had everything he needed to succeed, and he didn't. He sucks. I said he sucked to start the season. I stand by it. Drew Locke's a bad quarterback. John Elway just drafts tall people with big hands, and I'm glad he can't draft for them anymore. Actually, as a Chiefs fan, I wish he still was. (laughs) Okay, so that's the end of that one. The final score for the team bets was Johnny and I five apiece, and then Dalton two. So as Dalton said, very very tough time with the team team over-unders. For him. So the final score ended up being 15 for me, 13 for Johnny, and 11 for Dalton. The issue is Johnny wasn't involved in every bet, and uh, there were ties in literally every category. So I think we decided the only fair way to, we're, we're just going to throw out the numbers. This is a five point bonus here. So everyone has a chance to win. We're going to go DraftKings head to head this weekend. Um, we'll all set lineups and we will all, I guess it'll just have to be on our system unless we actually like do a a straight up head to head in the app. But regardless, we'll figure it out, but we're going to do head to head this week, this weekend, DraftKings. I don't know if you want to do Saturday slate, Sunday, you know, both games or both days. We'll figure it out, but that'll be the tiebreaker there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's fun looking back on these calls. Uh, we could probably go a lot longer if we're talking about the bad calls. There were some good calls in there too, though. A uh, tough season to predict things with no training camp, no preseason. We were flying blind. It didn't go too badly, though, I don't think. No, some of the guys we love, like Gibson and Taylor, panned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the guys we hated, like Stefan Diggs, really <laughs> really came around. Uh, some of the guys we touted, like Irv Smith, just didn't come around either. So we'll see next year. Uh, I have a slew of takes that you can't wait to read. <laughs> so... We, I'm not exactly sure what our schedule is going forward. I think we'll probably still keep it weekly through the playoffs and then maybe reevaluate, go more on a monthly basis for a couple of months until we get to the summer where more stuff, you know, maybe like July, we'll pick it up a little bit. Um, but I think what we've got coming these next few weeks, we'll probably talk more about just the playoffs and the games a little bit, just because that's obviously going on. If you're listening to a football podcast, you're probably interested in the playoffs. We'll talk about that, but you know, we'll talk about uh, our our top twelves. I've been talking, I've been teasing that a lot these last couple of weeks. We'll give our top twelves at at this point heading into next season. Obviously, a lot will change, but an early look at those. Talk about maybe some value picks, um, some busts some sleepers that that we see at this point heading into next season but it'll be a fun couple of weeks and obviously the playoffs with oh, three games on both days this weekend should be a a very fun weekend of football yeah first year we get to see the new format where the, there's only one by 
there's some good games. I think the AFC definitely has the better games. The NFC, mm-hmm. some of the games probably going to stink a little bit. But I'm excited overall to watch it. I'm excited to win these bets with a good DraftKings lineup. I like the format for the record. I like that only the one seed gets a buy. The one seed should have more of an advantage than the two seed outside of just having home field when they play, I think. I agree. And it makes it uh, much more interesting week 17 because a lot more teams have to play. Uh, minus yeah. teams who don't want to play like the Eagles. And you just get more teams in the playoffs. I mean, you really think about it, you know, 12 out of 30 teams in the playoffs when you compare it to a lot of other sports leagues, especially now with baseball expanding its playoffs, uh, it's a pretty low percentage. So, you know, more football is never a bad thing. Yeah, and opinion. even with the addition of playoff team, like the Dolphins couldn't make it. So, I mean... Yeah, um, that is an issue for the NFC East, unfortunately. But it is what it is. Almost the perfect field if the Dolphins were in instead of the Washington football team. But the Washington football team has Alex Smith to cheer for, so at least we have that going for us there. Johnny, are you taking taking me up on the on the fan duel? Um, I don't even know. I don't even remember what it's called. You know what I'm talking about, though. Fan duel boost. The boost. Are you doing the boost this weekend? I don't know because now you've got me contemplating Vegas trying to just steal my money. By I I don't think I will. I might. It's like plus one. It's, it's like plus one sixty for the Bills, Seahawks, and Bucks. Seahawks and Bucks to just win straight up. So like it feels like that should be not that hard, but that's how they always feel. See, but every single boost I've done was like, oh, this is an easy lock. There's no way this doesn't happen. And yeah, then, well, if we could go for 10, if Luca wasn't fat, I would probably have won. Oh, okay, no, 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 no. A fantasy football podcast. We're not fat shaming anyone here. <laughs> okay. On that fat shaming note, that's going to do it for us today on episode 27 of the Fat Shaming Half Point Per Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Half Point Per Pod. We will still be at more active on there than we have recently. The holidays have kind of gotten away a little bit during some of these football weekends, but we'll be on there during the playoffs, uh, you know, tweeting about games and fantasy takeaways and, and other stuff like that as well. Listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We are there. Leave us a review on Apple, uh, download on there. Again, listen on Spotify, follow Half Point for Podcast on there. And no live stream. I think the live stream is probably done for the season. We don't need to do any playoff live streams uh, for the real NFL playoffs. But we'll talk to you guys again next week. Topics to be determined. I'm going to cut that part out where you fat chain, Mikey. (laughs) 